Good morning, and peace be with you. <laughs> wow, this is one of those days, and it just it just keeps going and going. So you know, y'all been with me or have had me with you for seven years now. So nothing should surprise you at this point. Good morning, peace be with you. Okay, I have announcements. I am going to slow down and enunciate. Uh, Eldred would be thrilled, but she's not here that I even know that word. But uh, we have envelopes for offering in the back, and so I just wanted to direct your attention to the back table uh, for offerings. We also um, have back there a letter that is from... Um, Alice Gallagher, who is uh, Pastor Chris Gallagher's wife, and it details more than what we're given space on the bulletin for our missions this month. But Alice has suffered from uh, epileptic seizures for many, most of her life. And so there's an opportunity to uh, help her from this church in an offering to get the specialized kind of dog that will be able to um, alert her prior to having a seizure. Uh, and then that'll give her an opportunity to take the rescue meds and maybe, you know, stave off uh, a full-blown seizure. So I uh, personally know somebody that has agreed to um, match up to the first $500 of every dollar that is offered from this church this month for that. So um, if you feel moved uh, to help in a, for a very worthy person, well, well, none of us are worthy, but for a sweet person that's had it rough and has just so been so kind to this church and to all she meets, uh, I'd appreciate you considering it. Also, this um, next week, the Bible studies will be um, canceled. Um, Tuesday, there won't be any Bible study in during the day or in the evening. The men's group, I'm all, all, you know, you guys will meet whether I'm there or not, but I will be out of town during those times. I will be back for next Sunday service. Um, so plan accordingly. Yesterday, after my men's group, this was on my desk. I don't know who left it there. Oh, okay, it's Randy. Um, and this isn't an indictment or anything, but it was just really, it's funny how God works uh, in mysterious ways and through others and all that, but it's, a, it's Lucy and it's Linus, and um, Lucy says, I hear they're going to create hundreds of new laws this year. And Linus says, well, until we learn to follow the 10 that God gave us, nothing will ever change. And how true it is. You know, the 600-some-odd extra laws that uh, the Jews came up uh, beyond Mosaic law, we do pass all kinds of laws. And so um, today, as it would happen, um, this is the part that God got involved, Randy, is that uh, in our gospel, we get a chance to listen in on a lawyer, an expert in the law, um, that challenges Jesus. Bless you. What law, you might ask? Well, Mosaic law. Moses, the law of Moses. And so this guy gets up and he asks Jesus some questions as we'll hear. 
he is essentially a scribe. You know when we, see, we hear scribes and the experts of the law, have you ever really wondered what that was? I mean, a scribe is a person that records and writes a secretary, but what? Well, it was Mosaic law, the laws of Moses. And so they knew it inside and out. Ezra was the first recorded scribe. And you can read about him in the book of Ezra. And he was the first priest that specialized and devoted his study to the law of Moses. So if that was like 440 when Ezra was around. So then we come up to the time that we hear this uh, account. And this is an expert of the law questioning the creator about the law. And it really is that silly, and I'm going to break it down that way for you guys today. In short, God's law is righteous. Man's law is always self-serving. Get us started, Tim.
forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler, yeah. Please stand if you're able. We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we say, God who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us, forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God in his mercy has given his son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as you're called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority alone, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above 
and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Worthy is Christ, the Lamb who was slain, whose blood set us free to be people of God. Power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and blessing and glory are his. This is the feast of victory for our God. Alleluia. Sing with all the people of God and join in the hymn of all creation, blessing and honor and glory and might be to God and the Lamb forever. Amen. This is the feast of victory for our God, for the Lamb who was slain has begun his reign. Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, in your deep compassion, you rescue us from whatever may hurt us. Teach us to love you above all things and to love our neighbors as ourselves. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning and peace be with you. We're going to start out this morning reading the book of Leviticus, chapter 18, on your page 183, Pew Bible. Uh, we will start with chapter 18, and we'll read verses 1 through 5. Now that is going to talk about uh, instructions regarding interpersonal relationships. Then we're going to skip over, keep you busy here. We're going to go to 19. 
We're going to start at verse 9, if you want to follow along, and that will go through verse 18. And that talks a lot about love your neighbor as yourself. You'll see what I mean when we get to that point. Chapter 18. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, I am the Lord your God. You must not do as they do in Egypt, where you used to live, and you must do as they do in the land of Canaan, where I'm bringing you. Do not follow their practices. You must obey my laws and be careful to follow my decrees. I'm the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and laws. For the person who obeys them will live by them. I am the Lord. Moving to 19, verse 9. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Do not go over your vineyard a second time to pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner. I am the Lord your God. Do not steal. Do not lie. Do not deceive one another. Do not swear falsely by my name and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. Do not defraud or rob your neighbor. Do not hold back the wages of a hired worker overnight. Do not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block in front of the blind. But fear your God, fear your God. I am the Lord. Do not pervert justice. Do not show partiality to the poor or favoritism to the great, but judge your neighbor fairly. Do not go about spreading slander among your people. Do not do anything that endangers your neighbor's life. I am the Lord. Do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly so you will not share in their guilt. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Psalms is the next reading. I'll be reading Psalm 41. Psalm 41 is another one of David's many prayers that's in Psalms, and this one's for mercy and healing, one that we might want to turn to ourselves, for either ourselves or our friends and neighbors. Psalm 41. Blessed are those who have regard for the weak. The Lord delivers them in times of trouble. The Lord protects and them. They are counted among the blessed in the land. He did not give them over to the desire of their foes. 
The Lord sustains them on their sick bed and restores them from their bed of illness. I said, have mercy on me, Lord. Heal me, for I sinned against you. My enemies say of me in malice, when will he die and his name perish? When one of them comes to see me, he speaks falsely, while his heart gathers slander. Then he goes out spreads it around. All my enemies whisper together against me. They imagine the worst for me, saying, vile disease has afflicted him. You'll never get up from the place where he lies. Even my close friend, someone I trusted, one who I shared my bread, has turned against me. May you have mercy on me, Lord. Raise me up so that I may repay them. I know that you are pleased with me, for my enemy does not triumph over me. As of my integrity, you uphold me and set me in your presence forever. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Amen and amen. The next reading taken from the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 1 through 14. This can be found in page 1832 of the Pew Bible, or on a different page on your Bible. Colossians 1 is about thanksgiving and prayer, and boy, we need a lot of that. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother. To God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people. The faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is, faithful, who is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work growing in the knowledge of God, 
being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness, and the forgiveness of sins. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hallelujah, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the word of eternal life. Hallelujah. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke from the 10th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Our gospel this morning does indeed come from St. Luke. It is chapter 10, verses 25 through 37, and found on page 1612 in your pew Bible. Luke records, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? And he answered, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength and with all of your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. And they stripped him of his clothes, and they beat him, and they went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw the man, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled came where the man was, and when he saw him, well, he took pity on him. He went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey. He brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, 
he took out two denarii, and he gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses that you may have. Now, which of these, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I imagine that most of you recognize the parable that we heard today in the gospel. Most people call it the parable of the Good Samaritan. And our culture here in America recognizes this parable by naming a wide variety of charities after it. Charitable organizations using the word Samaritan. For example, we have Good Samaritan Hospital. We have Good Samaritan Nursing Home. And of course, we have Samaritan's Purse. There are several others, but that's what I came to mind. Now, there are charitable organizations named after the Good Samaritan all over, and for the most part, these organizations are good. They are caring organizations of mercy that do provide services to their communities. The good, noble, caring work that these organizations do, well, that makes it difficult. It makes it difficult for us to understand what the shock value was that Jesus packed into this parable that we just heard in today's gospel. You see, the Jewish person in that day had a far different understanding of what a Samaritan actually was than what we do today. When Nebuchadnezzar destroyed Jerusalem and he forced the Jews to leave the land, then right after that he settled people from other cultures into that land. And they brought their religions with them, and they combined their religious practices with the religious practices of the locals. And this produced a hybrid religion and a culture that was the Samaritans. And when the Persians defeated Babylonia 
and the Babylonians, they allowed the Jews to return back to Jerusalem. And the returning Jews condemned these false practices of the Samaritans, for the Jews considered them traitors for polluting the true faith. In fact, an immense hatred grew between these two cultures. Now, as I remember back, way, way, way back, pastors struggled to explain the level of hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans. Sadly, today, our world has changed so much that it's pretty easy to give you an example that will drive the point of the hatred home. If you want to understand the impact of this story on the original audience, then we just need to make a very simple substitution. Every time that you hear the word Samaritan, think of radical Islamic terrorist. The parable of the good Samaritan becomes the parable of the good radical Islamic terrorist. If that shocks you, and it should, and it makes your head hurt just a little bit, then you have an idea. You have an idea of the shock that this narrative had on the people who heard it the first time that Jesus said it. Now the other thing we need to better understand this parable is the question that caused Jesus to tell the story in the first place. Why did he tell this parable? Well, we heard a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? That's Luke 10, 25. And it's really not apparent at first, but this question is absolute nonsense. Do you know why? A lawyer should know better than to ask a question like this. And at the same time, this question demonstrates the false religion of the world, of their world back then and of our world right now. That is this. There is nothing that anyone can do to inherit anything. Can you? No. An inheritance is something that a person receives because somebody else did something. A person receives an inheritance because someone else wrote that person into a will and then died. An inheritance is a pure gift that is given as a result of the death and the last will and testament of the original owner of that gift. So the lawyer... He is right in his assumption on one thing. He is right in his assumption that eternal life is an inheritance. Eternal life is a free gift from God 
that went into effect upon the death of the Son of God on the cross. It is, most definitely, by every, every definition of the word, an inheritance. Now, at the same time, the lawyer demonstrates the false religion of the world, that there is something that I do, that you can do, that will have an effect on the inheritance of eternal life. And God wants to give eternal life as a gift. The false religion wants to earn. It wants to earn eternal life as a wage. I do this, you give me that. If I don't see you doing that, then you're not going to get that. You see how that makes things kind of icky? And every time that Jesus encountered somebody with this delusion, and it happened, he poured out the law. He poured the law on them so that that person could see how impossible it is to earn eternal life. He would say to them, and he said to this man, what is written in the law? How do you interpret it? And Jesus began by taking the lawyer back to the basics, catechism class, if you will. And the young man replied with the standard answer that every Jew learned in Sabbath school. He said, you shall love the Lord, the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and you will love your neighbor as yourself. Pat answer. This is straight out of Moses from Deuteronomy. And it also was in today's Old Testament reading from Leviticus. Jesus acknowledged that the lawyer got the answer exactly right. And then he told the lawyer that this was the key to earning eternal life. Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. If you will love God and love your neighbor perfectly, then you will earn eternal life. And it is at this point that the honest person will see the problem, that the honest person will understand that there is no way for him to love God and neighbor as he should. And therefore, there is no way that he or anyone else can earn eternal life. Now, on the other hand, the lawyer in today's gospel still believes he has a chance. <laughs> it said, Luke recorded, that he, desiring to justify himself to Jesus, said this, and who is my neighbor? The lawyer thought that if the definition of neighbor was just tight enough, then he could love his neighbor. It's easy to love your neighbors when they are lovable. Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan in order to widen the man's understanding of what is and what it means to be a neighbor. That is the reason that Jesus took the first century equivalent of a radical Islamic terrorist and made him the hero 
of the story. The point that Jesus made with the story is that the most unlikely, the most unlovable, the most difficult person that you meet is still your neighbor. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Leviticus 19.18 Now if we recast the story that Jesus told in modern day terms, then the radical Islamic terrorist gave aid to a man that the radical Islamic terrorist, his friends, would call this man a Zionist pig. He rendered first aid, and he got him transported to the emergency room. And then he left his visa card with the hospital, and he gave them an unlimited, unlimited credit line to do what they could to help the poor victim. And at the end of the story, Jesus said to the lawyer, you go and do likewise. Do you begin to understand with this, when we flip it upside down like that, do you understand just how incredible the standard is that Jesus sets for this poor lawyer? And for us, the right response to this parable, the right response to this parable is to surrender. No ordinary human being can live up to the standard that Jesus established in this parable. No ordinary human being can do what needs to be done to inherit eternal life. Now, of course, there is one who lives up to the standard. That's Jesus. He's the one who told the story. He is no ordinary man. He is the Christ who is true man and true God. So let's consider how Jesus kept the standard of the parable of the Good Samaritan. Listen to these inspired words from the Apostle Paul. When Paul writes, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So as we laid along the side of the road, as you and I laid on the side of the road, slaves to sin, disgusting, and dead in trespasses and sin, Christ poured out his life for us, each and every one of us was unlikable, unlovable, and difficult. And even so, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's Romans 5, 6 through 8. Christ hanging on the cross 
dealing with your sins is God's ultimate expression of his love for you. But wait, there's more. The Samaritan in the story, he transported the poor victim to an inn where he could receive care and where he was healed. And Christ sends the Holy Spirit to gather his people into his church where they also receive care and healing. The forgiveness of sins is freely given by word as the pastor absolves the sin of the baptized. The forgiveness of sins is given individually, one mouth at a time, as the pastor brings forward the very body and blood of our Savior for us Christians to eat and to drink. And the forgiveness is proclaimed by the preaching of the Word. All of these are the medicine of immortality that Jesus has given to his church and to care for his saints. All this is backed up by the unlimited credit line of God's love as expressed in the gospel. In the parable of the Good Samaritan, Jesus has taught us that there is absolutely nothing that we can do to inherit eternal life. Instead, there is this impossible standard of love that none of us can meet. And thankfully, Jesus is the Christ who kept his high standard of love and that he loved us even while we were unlovable. We inherit eternal life because Christ has died and he put us in his will. Now we shall live forever, even as he has risen from the dead and lives into all eternity. It's really all about Christ and him crucified. In the name of Jesus, amen.
stand if you're able. Let us now confess our faith together to the words of the Apostles' Creed found on page three of your bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray for the whole church, the whole church of God in Christ Jesus, and for all people in, according, in accordance to their needs. Father in heaven, we confess that apart from Christ we have no righteousness, yet we rejoice that because your Son has died and risen for us, you promise that our righteousness exceeds even that of the scribes and the Pharisees. And because we know the hope that you have laid up for us in heaven, let others see in us a confident faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and a caring love for all of those who are in need. Lord, in your mercy, Father in heaven, by your grace you have died to sin, yet sin continues to overpower us. Bless all those who celebrate baptismal birthdays among us and fill us all with a repentant faith that knows we have been buried with Christ through baptism into his death. Fill us with the Samaritan's joy in helping those in need, no matter what the cost, to ourselves. Lord, in your mercy. Father in heaven, you grant the length of days to many in our families and communities. You bless us with their wisdom and grant us the opportunity to live out your love to them. Help us to rightly treasure them, and as they grow in weakness and in need, 
deepen their trust in your strength to bear and your power to save. Lord, in your mercy. Father in heaven, as you have granted us to live in a nation where your people may still gather without fear, bless our leaders with your wisdom and guard us from the rising ungodliness in our land, that your gospel may be preached boldly and continue to bear fruit and grow. Lord, in your mercy. Father in heaven, you have commanded that special attention and care be paid to the fatherless and widows. Abide with all who are lonely. Use us to visit the homebound and those in care facilities, those who require ongoing care, and those in hospice. Remember especially our brothers and sisters who are in need at this time that we name out loud. We name Hank, Valerie, Randy, Allison, Chuck, Patrick, Jeanette, Diane, Joe, Tim, Don, Valerie, Christina, Sandy. We lift up the Whitney family, the Keene family, Nancy and Wendy Volgesang, Ron and LaVon, the Reamer family, Jerry Buchanan and family, Carol Hook and family, Laurel Jones, Elaine, Maria, Ken Baden, Jane, Paula, the Christensen family, Alberta, Jackie, Valerie, Tim, Ron, DeForest and Peggy, Helen, Jan, the Kemp family, Iris, McCray and family, the Levine family, the Beck family, the Asmussen family, Mama Chow, Noni Darwish, Diane Zinn, Luann Grassi, and Crystal Orr. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name, and Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father in heaven, by your mercy, we are heirs of a great inheritance and stand among all the saints who have loved you and known the delight of your favor. Accept our thanksgiving for the faithful who went before us and bring us at last with them into your eternal presence in the marriage supper of the Lamb that knows no end. Lord, in your mercy... And Father in heaven, you have been faithful to us who deserve none of your mercies. Lead us to receive them with grateful hearts and to be faithful unto death that we may receive the crown of everlasting life. Hear us in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, through him with whom, in whom, be all honor and glory now and forever. Amen. Well, that was a long one. He knows. He knows, and he loves, and he's made provision. And you're in the will. May the peace of the Lord be with you always.
Let us share the peace. Will you please pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness, you have blessed us with these gifts. We offer them ourselves in our service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord, who on this day overcame death and the grave and by his glorious resurrection has opened up a way of everlasting life. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup, and he gave thanks, and then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. The uh, table has been prepared, and it's prepared for all who believe. It is prepared free of charge, but it costs Jesus everything. It is literally grace upon grace, one mouth at a time, that he rescues you from sin, death, and the devil by his true body and his true blood. If Jesus Christ is your Savior, 
and you confess him, and I heard you, then come, the table is prepared.
good news is that he didn't stop loving you. And he promises he will never stop loving you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Now the benediction, a promise and a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his perfect peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Shine on
face through all my darkness shine on shine on me shine Jesus shine feel this land where the Father's glory lay spirit place So our faces display your likeness, ever changing from glory.